Hey, welcome back. Made it to week two. Who would have thought? And with an absolute stranglehold on the male 18 to 34-year-old market share, we are back with our second episode of Who's On Him, the official podcast of the Quadruple AFL. We are back for a second week, and I am joined by co-host JR. JR, welcome back to the pod. How are you feeling? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, happy to be back for the second week. Uh, wasn't sure we'd uh, get a second run, but here we are. Well, I spoke to the sponsors over the, the weekend, and they were thrilled with the uh, audio output. They were thrilled with the content. Um, question mark on the host. They said that, you know, we'll, that's a work in progress, and we'll, we'll work with it and see if they develop, but... Easily replaceable was the words that I was told, uh, but we're we're feeling good other than that, aren't we? Yeah, we are. Uh, fresh off the uh, the high of the weekend, and yeah, ready to yeah, ready to get into uh, the second edition of the pod. Oh, I am so excited to do a draft recap with you and with our uh, special guest co-host Regan, who will be joining us very very shortly. But Jr. Last week we started a segment that ended up taking the fantasy world by storm, and by fantasy world I mean our small messenger group. And that was Get Him Off, and it was a segment where we go through what has annoyed us this week, and it's basically a venting session, really nice therapy for us, but I don't want to focus on the negatives each week, so we've decided to go with the the positive stories and the positive items this week, and I think we're going to call this segment uh, Who Is On Him, which is funnily enough the name of the show title, and we're just going to work out who is on X for the week. And it could be a thing, it could be a person, it could be a, a narrative of some description, it could be absolutely anything and completely broad. And I'm interested because last week you had quite a negative perception of the Australian cricket team. And I'm wondering, JR, can we turn it around this week and can we focus on something else that has actually piqued your interest and been a positive in your life? We absolutely can. And you know, obviously last week the, the Australian cricket team, they, they are in my sights and deservedly so, mm. um, a very very poor tour of India, underperformance, a lack of effort, a lack of care, you, you would really have to say. But gee, what a difference a week can make. And I'd be remiss not to have them as my uh, positive story of the week. <laughs> I, I want to know who is on the Australian cricket team because that was a sensational performance. Now, you may be aware that that I went after Steve Smith last week. <laughs> I, I, was, great, I was very aware. Steve Smith. I was very aware. The great, the great Steve Smith. I thought... You know, going off to to the United Arab Emirates in the middle of a poor tour of India may may not have been the most sensible thing to do. But you have to give credit to the man. He stepped in as captain. He really brought a feel-good factor back to the cricket team. And you have to say the move to go to Dubai in the middle of the tour, an absolute masterstroke from a master batsman. And, gee, I reckon Pat Cummins is going to have a hard time getting back in this team because who is on the Australian cricket team and who is on Steve Smith? So can I confirm that both your both your negative uh, story from last week and your negative story, uh, sorry, your positive story from this week is the same subject item of the Australian cricket team, and a, a week's difference has turned that from a negative to a positive story. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. And at, you know, it's a results-driven industry, and perceptions can change quickly, and no one's perceptions change quicker than mine. Well, what's changed quicker? This leads into a great question. What what 
has changed quicker over the last two weeks? Your perception on the Australian cricket team or your perception on the Adelaide Crows after two practice matches? <laughs> Oof. Gee, that's a, that's a tough one to answer. It's pretty close. How good how good were the uh, Adelaide Crows looking in the preseason? If there was still a Wizard Cup, the Crows, gee, they would have won it by a street. Impressive. So good that we both looked at ourselves and looked at our goal membership that we upgraded this year and thought, oh, that could get a, that could get a bit of use this time around. The phrase good timing comes to mind, and I think ours uh, in this instance was exemplary. Thank you very much. Um, well done to the Australian cricket team. It's amazing the difference one week can make, and you are now firmly back in JR's good books until probably the next tour of a subcontinent country and the, the usual collapse that comes with that. So thank you. Um, JR, this week I'm going to do a really broad and open one. Obviously, we had draft day back in Adelaide. I am currently living in Brisbane, so I flew down. And all I have to say is, who is on the town, the city of Adelaide? Because I have spent 72 hours of my life back there. And in that time, I went to Rundle Street on Sunday night, and it was pumping. I have people telling me how excited they are for Gather Round, how excited they are for Live Golf. We had uh, drinks and dinner on Saturday night, and the, the city was bustling. Who is on the city of Adelaide? Who turned this place into a thriving metropolis? I will never understand the uh, the hate for Adelaide. It is a wonderful place. It is home. I uh, remember spending about four days away uh, in the middle of last year, and I could not wait to get back. <laughs> I fucking love Adelaide. Adelaide is so good, and I've got to give a shout-out to non-sponsors of the show, but we did happen to uh, – well, if any hotel actually does want to sponsor us, you're more than welcome. We have lots of business trips coming up. If you ever need to visit Adelaide and you need somewhere to go, have a look at the Oval Hotel. I was staunchly against it when they started uh, developing and showing us plans because I thought it would ruin the aesthetic of our beautiful Oval. I am completely wrong. It was a great experience and it adds to the, the character of the Oval. Would you say that the aesthetic of the Oval was at all ruined uh, by the <laughs> impending setup for the Ed Sheeran concert tonight? It depends who you ask. If you ask me, then yes, and get off our fucking oval. But if you ask my mum, then it's a great experience and a great concert. Uh, Look, I'll be looking forward to the uh, Ed Sheeran highlights uh, popping up tomorrow morning. <laughs> he's he's given a new term to Eddie's pocket, hasn't he? All right. I, well, and, and also the song Castle on the Hill. They say that your home is your castle, and I would probably say that you would describe your home as being that, that spot on, on the hill at Adelaide Oval, so that would make a lot of sense. JR, thank you very much. That was excellent. We're going to take a quick break, and we are going to invite Regan into the room. All right, we are back, and joining us on Zoom is the former... Are you a preliminary finalist, Regan? Uh, former... No, finalist. I lost to Stasi. Oh, in COVID. In Asterix year. Yeah, in COVID year. That doesn't really count. Welcome yeah, to yeah, yeah. former grand finalist, former preliminary finalist, Regan <laughs> Mastrangelo. Regan, thank you for joining us today. How are you? Uh, very well. And uh, I've rushed home from work. I took my took all my belongings to the back corner of the school and beat the kids out. Techni- well, technically, our senior lesson finished two minutes ago. So I've actually left before the end of the school day on the down low to get here for that or for this. And we're... We're and paying, I'm not at all apologetic about that. We're paying for your wage as well, aren't we? Just confirming. Yes. Yeah, no, it is the taxpayer. I'm on on the hook. The taxpayer's on the hook right now. 
<laughs> well, we appreciate your effort in joining us for the podcast, and we're appreciating you. What I thought I saw was going in about a what seventy in a twenty-five school zone to get here as well. Probably something like that. Uh, thank you very much, boys. I really appreciate you being here. Um, I thought we would start by just recapping the draft experience. As you know, and as everybody who is across the quadruple AFL is aware, we held our much, much, much anticipated draft on Sunday afternoon at the Cumberland Arms Hotel. And it was a sight to behold. We had our best turnout in person from any previous draft. We had 14 of 16 quadruple AFL members there. The only people that didn't join us was Echo and Davies who live interstate. Although that's not an excuse because I did happen to attend and I also live interstate. I guess we'll go to you, JR, first. I'm happy to throw to you for this one. Can you sum up the vibe on the day and just your experience with drafting? Because I I have a few takes on it. Um, and it was very, very different feels to previous years. Yeah, it was. I mean, obviously an incredibly exciting day to get uh, the majority of the uh, quadruple AFL fraternity back in one place. I think the uh, Cumbi has probably never seen so many people waiting outside at 11.50 p.m., <laughs> 11.50 a.m. on a uh, <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Uh, I think it, they were a little taken aback. And, yeah, a, a phenomenally exciting day. Only... Uh, only a couple of complaints, but uh, yeah, I can I can get into them later. I I have to add on that, and <laughs> so I booked the Cumbi for twelve thirty. We had a room booked from twelve thirty till five thirty, and that was no issues. Now the Cumberland Arms opens at twelve p.m. on the dot. So when I arrived at eleven fifty, because I had nothing else to do with you, Jr. and also Adam Leach. I wasn't expecting anybody to rock up for another 40 minutes. And as we rocked up, we, we saw Schmidt, B-Will and Dean already waiting at the front as if they're camping for Harry Styles tickets. <laughs> to which the, the person who was obviously opening up the cumbie opened the door and saw everybody there with their laptops looking like they're just a bunch of fucking nerds and just rolled her eyes immediately. <laughs> um, Regan. I mean... Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, like, meanwhile, I I reckon I arrived at the same time as Alex, which was about 12.31, thinking, you know, it was pretty quiet downstairs, like, thinking that we might have been one of the first few or handful to arrive, only to walk upstairs and essentially be, like, fighting over the last two seats <laughs> to try and actually get a spot and a, 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 a PowerPoint to hook into. So that was definitely a highlight. And then also the fact that, like once we settled in and everything and we're like, geez, we've still got an hour and a half to draft and everyone just sat there with nervous energy. But then I remember getting to five minutes before the draft and thinking like, I'm glad that there was not a minute less than this hour and a half because everyone just needed it to like come to terms with the fact that it was it was all happening. Like two two hours leading time was what was required just to sit in that room and, and come to terms with the fact that it was happening and the, the pressure valve was about to just explode. So on that, I haven't seen anybody from this group in at least three months and let alone some of the other boys, it was six months. So I told Alicia beforehand, I'm really looking forward to going and catching up with everybody and seeing, you know, seeing Dean and um, I haven't seen Presbury in a while and, and so on. And then <laughs> and immediately I, I stepped into the room and didn't want to talk to anybody until drafting had started. And that was the vibe from absolutely everybody. I've never seen 14... 14 men just eat in silence and just ponder over what their first pick will be. I'd just like to make a special shout out to Dean as well, 
uh, obviously as the uh, only a qualified electrician in the room, uh, it was very, uh, very important that he okayed uh, the, the power setup of running about eight power boards and uh, <laughs> double adapters off of one solitary power board. Did it fill you with confidence when Dean mm. said, <laughs> when, when we asked Dean, hey, mate, um, look, we've got a power board into a power board into a power board there. You reckon it'll be right? And he went, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I was going to make the same point. I, I enjoyed the when we actually sat down doing or tracing back to the original source, like where my power was coming from and realizing that it was from a double adapter plugged into a power board, plugged into another power board, plugged into the wall. And then the fact that that all kind of held on, despite the fact that it probably short circuited the air conditioning because it was frigging hot in a room full of 16 hyper-stressed, sweating, absolute bullets, middle-aged men. I remember like Norman specifically made regular comment about how hot it was. And we know that he like runs hot and loves his air conditioning, but he, he was feeling the pinch. Like Mm -hmm. he, he, he's an arrogant man and (laughs) he knows that nothing but back to back will be able to be able to warrant that arrogance. So he, he's, he's possibly under most pressure, even though he's coming off a flag. I'd just like to, uh, yeah, mention another another man who was feeling the pinch and you could see was notably noticeably perspiring uh Jono. <laughs> this was a man terrified that uh his man wasn't going to get to pick eight so much so that uh he actually bailed me up when we were down the bottom of the cumbi ordering food you know asking what i knew about about the picks above and, and whether he was going to get his man he he was highly stressed and and yeah noticeably sweaty I have never seen a group of very close mates not want to have a bar of one another as much as what I did on the weekend. Um, Gentlemen, you are here for a purpose and you are here for a reason. And I will be open and uh, and frank and honest that I've stolen this idea from the Bill Simmons podcast where at the start of each uh, NBA season, he gets a couple people in and they look at the over-under win totals for each team and they say whether they're going to go over or under and talk about the reason why that might be. We are going to do the same today with our AFL or quadruple AFL fantasy teams. Now, our friends at Normbet, I have written there, have set the lines, but he absolutely has not set the lines. So uh, just a quick side note to this. I've been asking Norman for about a week, hey, once the teams are drafted, can you please set some over-under win totals for each team and just send them to me so we can do this podcast? Yeah, yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Had to follow them up about two or three times yesterday, to which he told me to, and I quote, fucking relax. And then proceeds to send them to me last night, except he hasn't done them correctly. He's, he's given an over-under, like, projected total of what they might score each week. And I just completely, like, not understood the assignment. So I've had to, I've had to turn those projected totals into over-under win uh, amounts. And so I, I, I would like to thank Normbet, but I absolutely do not want to thank Normbet. Uh, will Nombet still be paying out on these adjusted uh, over under totals for a ten bet? Min- uh, sorry, ten dollar bet minimum. Absolutely. So, but but before we uh, continue, because I've just got them up in front of me, um, I don't know whether this is like a, a sort of a mistake or just a a loaded mistake or a deliberate Easter egg. But there is no line next to Davies. Does that mean that his line is zero? Are we expecting him to go winless? Because um, I mean, usually that would be an outrageous kind of thing, but given the way that he drafted <laughs> on the weekend, a winless season would not be 
would would not be out of the question for the most um, under threat man and the person with the most compromised safety in the league, James Davies. I um, we haven't even got to the over under total. Um, uh, what I what I will say about that is he does have a over under win total that you might have the uh, previously updated version of the document. I will send that to you very very shortly. What I will say, and not giving too much away, is you don't have to look too much further than zero to find his over under win total. Um, okay. So what will happen is we'll go around the room. We each have been given a task to review one team very, very quickly, and we'll go through some of their better picks, some of their crappy picks, and we'll talk about, I guess, their expectations for the season. I will then provide you with the over-under win total that Normbet slash myself has provided that team, and we will make a decision, and it'll be on a matter of public record so people can grill us for this throughout the year. They can... Uh, sheepishly hide behind their terrible season and say, oh, you were right. But we will have it on public record that we will say, this person will go over, this person will go under. And just to add a little extra spice to this, each of us are allowed three locks. So a lock is, it is absolutely guaranteed. There is no way that it is not happening. Um, Decision-making tool for us. And so use them wisely. You only have three. So any questions before we start? No, nah, we are good to nah, go. I think we're I think we're good. All right. We're gonna take a quick break. Zoom's about to kick us off and I'm refusing to pay for money. We'll have to get into a new session. And we are going to start and I'll review the first team and that person will be Jake Dean Ashenden. See you shortly. Okay, welcome back. We are here with our first over under candidate for the year, and that is former Premier from 2021, Jake Dean Ashenden. Now, I have been given the task of reviewing his team. Had a look yesterday, had another look today, and I I actually like his team overall. I think he's drafted really well. There's a couple of boys in there that he adores. If you, well, if Norma had given me odds beforehand of will Dean draft this person, I would have taken all of them. So I guess the first, uh, first person that we'll discuss is Clayton Oliver as uh, his captain at pick four, which was a coup for Dean. He was not uh, anticipating getting him so late in the in the piece. He thought he might have gone to Stasi at two, but he's thrilled with that. Some of his boys that he absolutely loves and adores. I could see Josh Battle in there from previous years, LDU from previous years, Chad Warner in there. This is a man who loves to be hurt and wants to be hurt again by, <laughs> by having Jack Zeeble sit in his forward line. Uh, a 33-year-old uh, injury-prone Jack Zebel, who it, he did. D- Dean will admit he, he was hurt by him last year, especially when he flipped from defense to forward. And he's only gone and done it to himself again. So overall, his team looks quite strong. Nice defenders, uh, some nice midfielders in there. His ruck should be okay for the year in Oscar McInerney. Forward line's a little weak, but I think all of us are. I'd just like to make a special mention uh, of Dean's team, just the fact that he's managed to get Billy Frampton and Marbjorn Choll into the one team. This is a team after my heart. I love this team. <laughs> there was a part of me that had to triple check that this actually wasn't your team, JR. <laughs> and when I, when I saw Josh Ward, who's under the age of 22 in there as well, I had to really triple check, but <laughs> it clearly wasn't. Regan, any, any thoughts on Dean's team here? Uh, no, not particularly. I was just wondering if one of you could confirm for me, did Dean have to work on Monday after the draft or not? Because I have heard rumours, but I can't actually, uh, I cannot confirm that that was the case. 
Um, he may have mentioned it once or twice that he has a day off on Monday, but I, I can't confirm either. He, that is a man who I will say loves working. And by loves working, he doesn't actually, but he, uh, he works very, very hard. So if he did have the Monday off, he absolutely deserves it. You could argue that with the advice, uh, the electrical advice that was handed out Sunday, that he was due a day in lieu on, on Monday. So he may have actually deserved it. Um, I should have mentioned this earlier and I'll actually edit this part out and do a little spot at the start so we can just ignore all this. I can do, do my thing. But there are 20 home and away season games this year. 20 home and away season games. So his win total coming up is reflected in that. So we normally had 19. It's just an extra game this year. So Dean has a current over-under win total set for him of 11.5 wins. Now, 11.5 wins would take you just over 50% of the games won. I'm going to start with JR. Is Dean going over or is he going under that total? I reckon that line is pretty close. I really like the defense, really like the midfield. The forward line definitely leaves a little to be desired, but it's obviously probably a weaker area for most teams. I feel pretty confident in in going over. I think he will go over. I really like the, uh, the midfield and the back line. Regan? Uh, I'm going to differ with JR here, but again, on, only just, this is actually a very nicely set line. I think this one, I would have Dean penciled in for probably in that nine to 10 win range. I think he's just going to, just going to miss out. And I'm going to, and I love you to death, Dean, but I'm also going to hit the under on that. And it's nothing necessarily to do with yourself. Uh, it is that, Having a look through all these teams, everybody is slightly stronger this year, and I think that you will get 11 wins exactly, which means that you will be hitting the under total. So we've got two unders and an over for Dean. Let's move on. Let's head to the next person. I'm going to get JR to do a very quick review on Michael Jono Johnson. <laughs> yeah, just just looking, uh, looking at Jono's team here, obviously... This is a man who, who's who been very close to the ultimate, well, not the ultimate success, the nearly ultimate success of getting to a grand final, but uh, fallen short three years running. So this is a big year for, for Jono. Looking at Jono's team, I, I I like the back line. I think there's some some points to be had there. The midfield, gee, it's it's a bit of a bit of a dad's army sort of situation in there that with Sloan and Paddy Dangerfield, Luke Shuey. Yeah. Dom Sheed. I don't know. I don't know about the midfield. Dom Sheed. I don't know if Dom Sheed just looks older than what he is. I, I'm not, I don't have an updated age for, for Dom Sheed, but he's actually not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and looking at, looking at the forward line, I do like the forward line with Canelio and, and Taranto, Errol Goulden. Yeah. I, I like, I like the defenders. I like the forwards. I have some concerns about the midfield. I think he's going for a clear strategy here, and that's just bulk up his forward line as best as possible. And it, and it has worked. He would probably go close to having the best forward line in the competition. Taranto, Gordon, Coniglio as uh, DPP players. I worry about that actual midfield. Like you said, Dad's Army is a great way of describing it. I'm also not entirely sure Lockie Hunter plays throughout the year, but also I just traded for Brandon Parford, so I can't really comment on that. Um, and his back line is, I guess... So, so Grundy in the ruck, do we like that, Regan? Uh, I think that's one of the big issues as well is he's, he's, he's launched early at Grundy. It's one of the big guns, but I, 
I just don't have confidence that he's going to deliver the hundreds that he needs. So that essentially renders him with some firepower in the forward line. Golden has a, you know, return to 85 scores written all over him the actual season. And then there's just not enough in the defense and in the the midfield to kind of overcome that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not, not massive confidence in Jono. I'm also now having a really close look at his defense. I'm looking at Adam Saad, Jeremy McGovern, and Jeremy Howe. And if you told me who are three players that love getting injured in footy, it's probably those three in the top 10 at least. And I'm very concerned for Jeremy McGovern to go ping this year and make way for uh, Alex Witherden to come into that side. So now I'm looking at a very good forward line and I'm not too sure about the midfield or defence. Um, boys, his over-under total as set by Norbert is 12 and a half wins. So one more than Dean, who he just did. I'm going to go in reverse order so we're not constantly going to you first, JR. I will go first and state my claim. I am quite confident that John Oat will go under this total. And do you know what? First time we're doing it, I'm putting my lock on this. Regan, what do you think? Given that I'm unable to double up on a lock for unders, um, I'll have to go back to the drawing board about where my where my locks come from because I think that Jono is next to no chance of being in the overs camp, unfortunately. So, sorry, Jono, the prelim runs uh, come to an end. You are going to be unders. I love how, like, progressively brutal we're becoming and we haven't even reached Davies yet. Okay, J- JR, you're up next. Over, under, 12 and a half for Jono. So I do have some extra information that uh, informs my decision. Uh, And unfortunately, you you stole my lock because this information would have uh, significantly contributed to it. Uh, There is a extended Europe trip in the offing for this man uh, this season. So that uh, pretty much guarantees uh, I I feel very comfortable going under 12 and a half wins. Is there a lock on that? Well, I I didn't think you... I could. No, sorry. Sorry, I'll clarify that again. We're in real time just deciding how this looks. Sorry, when I say that you can't put a lock on multiple teams, if you want to put a lock on this Regan as well, you can. You just can't. I thought you were trying to say a double lock or like a, a, yeah, he's definitely. (laughs) I I thought that's what you meant, so I apologize. So, yes, sorry, I'll take that back. All three of my locks. (laughs) Yeah, so I've put a lock on this and you're allowed to. Also, Regan, would you like to put a lock on this under total? Absolutely. I'll put him as one of my three locks for sure, for unders. And JR, would you like to put a lock on the under for Jono? I think in the context of the Dad's Army midfield, the extended trip to Europe, uh, and on the the back of some of the heartbreak of the last three years, I feel pretty confident in in locking under 12 and a half wins. I want Jono trying to like hold his phone up on like the top of a boat in Ibiza, trying to <laughs> trying to see if anyone's accepted his Rory Sloan and Dom Sheed trade for someone. <laughs> there was a point I, I was actually on holiday with, with Jono actually in the uh, middle of 2021. And I somehow claimed Errol Goulden off, uh, off the free agent waiver pickup, but I didn't actually remember doing it. I, I was on a, on a boat uh, out off sort of tropical North Queensland and I woke up in the morning and had a look. I'm like, oh, why do I have Errol Gordon on my team? I had no recollection whatsoever of, of adding him to the to the team. So there could be a bit of that for Jono this year. Poor Jono. Three locks, three under totals from all of us. That is one I'm quite confident in. And as Regan said, preliminary final run should be coming to an end if that is the case. 
Okay, I'm up next. I was given the task of reviewing Alex's team. Great to see Alex on draft day, and it was great to, to I guess, um, not have 18 messages shot us shot at us at once. We were able to have an actual conversation and um, have some dialogue that resembles something of a human being. Alex's team looks something like this. We have a concern first up when the captaincy is given to Adam Trelaw, and that was reflected on giving up pick uh, nine to me for no reason, really. I assume he thought he could get someone at that stage and was confident that they would fall, but Adam Trelaw is now captain. His midfield has uh, Mark Blitzars probably as the next best. I do like Will Setterfield in there. I think he is going to go all right this year. I'm not sure if he is my third midfielder, but he will definitely be around the mark. Bit of hidden hope in defence. Jack Sinclair's nice. Jake Lloyd, who knows what will happen. And Jordan Ridley It's not the worst defence I've ever seen. We also have the X Factor for Fremantle up forward. Nat Fife, who is a DPP and could obviously be slotted back in to cover Hugh Greenwood, who is currently uh, having a starting position on the field for, for Alex's team, which is of deep, deep concern. My gut feel with this team is, and I really hope I'm wrong with this, but it's going to stink. It is going to be awful. It is a bottom four team, and I can't see any way that this is improved. I should also note that still side bottom is midfielder six in the in the midfield brigade for Alex. I'm going to throw over to Regan. Oh, sorry, and I will should say, uh, he does have Tim English in Ruck, but... Knowing Tim English's uh, injury history, the moment he goes down, he is in a world of hurt. So I don't know how that's going to work. Regan, what do you think? Initial thoughts? I, I mean, I disagree a little bit. I, I don't think, I don't think that it's the strongest side in the world. But I feel like there's a little bit more there than maybe you're giving him, him credit for. Like the, the defense is quite tidy. Like we got to remember, Lloyd was just an absolute pig. Uh, a couple of years ago, there's mm. sort of rumours that he might return to to some high-scoring form. I, I think the defence is pretty solid. I don't mind the forward line. Like, I think Fife and Norton, especially with goals, they might actually deliver more than in previous years. There's just there's just those, the three or four, like, genuine spuds in that side <laughs> that leave a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Like, Swallow, um, side bottom, Unfortunately, like he's he's absolutely the decline has been complete with him, and I think Lacocious is going to become a bit of a Jack Watts type who never really kind of delivers what what you thought he might. So it's just those three or four players that make this team look a lot worse than it is. But I I, I think it's going to be okay. Will he make finals? Not confident, but he he'll, he'll be around the mark. I think. Yeah, just just having a look at this team, I, I'm more inclined to to share an opinion uh with Regan here. I I think it's okay. I don't think it's a, a finals team. I think there's a probably a couple of better captain options than than Adam Trelaw, but yeah, I, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I you did note that obviously Tim English has has a bit of a injury history and he may struggle to cover that, but he does have Blitzarves as as a mid ruck that that can plug that hole. I think yeah, similar to what Regan said, if he can yeah, make some changes and you know move out some of the spuds, like oh, I didn't even know Hugh Greenwood was was still on the list, so that <laughs> pick was was news to me. But yeah, I think I think there's potential. I I think there's potential in the team. I don't think it's a final team, but I, I think it will be okay. 
What if I told you this? What if I told you, with both of you thinking that it's an okay team, that his over-under total from Norbert is quite low and it is seven and a half wins for the year? I'm going to go to Regan first. Do you think he goes over or under that? Uh, I'm conflicted here because there's... I mean, like, yes, I think he goes over. I, th- I think he does go over. I'm, I'm tempted to put a lock on that one because I, I can... I mean, eight, eight wins sees you comfortably miss finals, but I, I don't know. That's not a lot of games to win, especially with some of the drafting efforts from a, a couple of people. So, <laughs> uh, look, I'm just going to go early on it. Let, let's say that I'm, I'm going to go the overs and he's going to be my lock number two. Wow. So we've only had three people reviewed so far and we've used two of our locks. Now, Jono, I can understand this one just perplexes me. I'm going to go under... I'm not going to quite lock at Alex. I haven't lost complete faith in you, but I don't think you get to eight wins this year. JR? I am going to go tentatively over. Uh, I'm not confident enough to to use another lock. I, I feel like there there may be some better options in the in the lock market. But yeah, I think tentatively over, I think sort of, yeah, maybe a couple of games out of finals is, is about where, where it falls. We have two overs, one of them being a lock and one under for Alex. Okay, let's move on to the next person. JR, I'm actually going to throw back to you for this one. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to get you to review the crowd favorite in our group at the moment, the man who is absolutely setting the group chat on fire, and that is Adam Leach. I thought you were going to say John Madison. (laughs) He's been more active, but (laughs) I wouldn't say setting the group chat on fire. Just his presence was, uh, was his presence was great on uh, Sunday. It was good to see the man, and hopefully we see more of him in the future. Alrighty, so I have Adam Leach's team in front of me, the uh, very popular dyslexics, uh, the man who is favourite uh, to take out best in chat this year. I think that is an award that is already uh, has been run and won. First glance at this team. Don't mind it. I don't mind it. I think I think the defense will be quite strong. There's definitely potential in midfield for some, you know, very uh, very high scoring players. And yeah, looking in the four line, I mean, the man has text, so that uh, <laughs> that may be all that's required to to you know pump out a score out of the forward half. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it'll be yeah. I think it'll be a finals contender. Was there any safer bet in fantasy drafting history than Adam Leach drafting Taylor Walker, which I think is for his third year in a row now? I've never met a man who loves Taylor Walker <laughs> as much as uh, Leachy does. Maybe, maybe Tex's wife, but even then, I'm not so sure. Just a, a, a quick question for you without notice to you boys. Where do you think Adam Leach drafted Taylor Walker? What draft position did Walker go? <laughs> I remember being laser focused in whatever my next pick was, so it kind of went under the radar at the time. Um, it should be in the like late hundreds, early two hundreds, maybe. But I'm assuming it's earlier. Jr., what do you think? My gut feel is somewhere in the early hundreds, maybe around like one twenty to one thirty. Jr. has absolutely nailed it. He has selected Taylor Walker with pick one twenty nine. I would love to see a list of players available after that pick that he could have had. 
Um, yeah, just uh, building on from your point, JR, another another lovely element of draft day was when Leachy timed out because, of course, he was using his phone to make picks. <laughs> and uh, he ended up with Jared Lyons, who will be captaining the Brisbane VFL squad this year. Just further to, to that point, Adam Schmidt did make a, a very nice offer to Leachy and, and offered him a laptop, which uh, he thought he was going to have the privilege of using until uh, Schmidt couldn't remember his mum's birthday for the password for the laptop. So he had to revert back to the phone. I did not know that. <laughs> oh, it was a definite high point. That, that really goes to my theory that Schmidt is incredibly bad with numbers because he can't remember his mum's birthday and he also traded me pick six. <laughs> Uh, anyway, thank you. Um, just having a quick look at his team just to build on that. Yeah, very nice midfield. We've got Jack Steele. Tom Mitchell, who who knows what can happen this year with him. He could go, you know, somewhere in the low 90s. He can go back to his old piggish shelf. That could be an absolute coup. Travis Boak in there, who is always solid as a rock. No matter how old he gets, he just seems to keep ticking over nice scores. Matthew Kennedy is quite a nice pick. I don't mind his defense of uh, anchored by Tom Stewart and Nick Vloston. And look, overall, this is a much improved team from Adam Leach uh, from previous years. Regan, any last quick thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I, I agree with everything that's been said. Like, it's one of those teams where you, you look at the likes of Maynard, um, Maddie Kennedy, Trav Boak, even Taylor Walker, and you just you can't help but feel like they're not going to deliver what you need, but then they just end up giving you that. 80 average, that 90 average or whatever that you'd expect. Like all, all, all this team's got to do is do that. And if by some miracle Lions does play, I think there's enough there that this this could be the year for Leach. I think this To make be- finals, that is. Not a flag. Nowhere, nowhere near a flag, but maybe scraping the finals. I think you are correct. And just one last little uh, addition there. Dylan Moore in the forward line is very good. This is a, this is a good team. This is a, a very solid team. There's a couple of things that need to, to go his way, but and including the fact that he is also off to Europe at some stage, so I'm concerned for his safety, let alone his fantasy team. But Normbet has his over-under win totals at 10, uh, 10.5 wins, which would be enough if he goes over that. You would expect to make finals. So basically what we're deciding here is, everybody, does Leachy make finals? Does he go over or under that win total? Regan? I think he just sneaks into the overs category. I, I could see him at 11 wins and um, be on the, the, the cusp of a finals appearance going into the very last round and, and squeezing in. So very much look forward to that nav- narrative playing out in about five five months' time, six months' time. Yeah, not a lock for me, but a relatively comfortable over. I think he plays finals. I think particularly if Tom Mitchell can, can fire and, and get back to the pig status of, uh, of old, I reckon, I reckon this is the year for Leachy. And I what an absolute revelation that this is like Leach playing finals. Wow. And I agree with your sentiment, JR, of it not quite being a lot for me, but being pretty comfortable. I'm going to go Leachy with the over. Well done, Adam Leach. That is a nice team. And I'm very, very proud of you. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with the next three teams. All right, welcome back. I am up next. We are going to have to move through these a bit quicker. Otherwise, this will be a four and a half hour podcast. I have the privilege and the the challenge of 
reviewing Jared Presbury and his team of the Wooden Spooners, who are back-to-back Tiny Violin winners. Gone through a very interesting strategy, Jared Presbury, of trying to win the Tiny Violin almost immediately with his draft choices. And that was highlighted in the group earlier this week. So I'll go through some of the interesting uh, choices that he's made. He's drafted uh, Hunter Clark, who is the king of getting knocked out, almost more so than Will Hamill. Uh, he's <laughs> he's drafted Dion Prestia, who has a terrible run of injuries as it is, and has also hurt his shoulder in the preseason game the day before we started <laughs> drafting. He's decided to pick James Warple, who I don't know if necessarily has an injury history, but definitely doesn't have the the runs on the board as what he used to, but has taken a nice spot in his midfield there. Uh, Zach Butters occasionally loves an injury as well. Uh, Cam Rayner has had an ACL injury. It's, it's a very speculative team. Oh, and also Ed Kerno's in there. Oh, and Patrick Lipinski and Taron Thomas. Oh my, okay. I already know my answer to this and I haven't even had a look at his over-under win total yet. Captain choice is Jack McRae with Hugh McCluggage, who I will be coming after very, very shortly. Uh, JR, do you have anything to add here? I do. I, I feel like there's definitely the potential with, with Prez's team for a lot to go wrong, but I feel like there's also a not insignificant amount of potential for it to go very right as well. I, I, I feel like I kind of like this team against all odds, but I feel like it's not bad. I, I'm of a a little bit of a different opinion to you by the sounds of it. I could be using a lock here, but it depends on what the over-under win total is. Uh, Regan, do you have anything to add here? Yeah, I'm, I'm probably somewhere in the camp between you and JR. I, I, don't, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I, I can see a world in which it goes down in absolute flames. I can also see a world where, you know, Ashcroft dominates, Prestia stays fit, Warple returns to greatness, Stakos averages 120. <laughs> Um, it might it might be slim, but I can see it as a possibility. I'm more in the camp of it not happening though, especially because all that bench cover is just absolute rank garbage. So he's going to be on the he's he's going to be on the, the the FAs very early on in the season, I reckon. So so what, uh, I don't know it's all going to come together. So what you're saying is if every potential fantasy god smiled on Jared Presby, and he's obviously had a lot of luck previous years with the the two tidy violin awards. If every single thing goes well for him, he might play finals. Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, am, am, am I allowed to give shout-outs to Sliding Doors? Can I spruik Sliding Doors in the podcast? Hey, as the author of Sliding Doors for the next three weeks, you are more than welcome to. <laughs> I mean, look, we'll get to my side in a minute, but the uh, my side is should be instilling everyone with absolute confidence that Sliding Doors <laughs> will go the distance and also that the state of the game will never be in a better position because... Uh, no, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. I'm going to be humble this year. Um, what, what, was I, what was I talking about? I don't know, Presbury. bro. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Presbury drafting the likes of Taron Thomas does raise uh, the question around tanking for the violin. So if you are going to, if you're going to draft someone who is looking at the possibility of um, being involved with the penal system midway through the year, then questions have to be asked. What if I told you all that Jared Presbury has an over-under win total of seven and a half wins? Would you like... Jay, I will go with you first. Would you like to go under that total or would you like to go over that total? I would like to go over that total. 
I think the most likely result, you know, it's not a lot of wins. I think the most likely result of, you know, the, the very wide range of results that are that are possible for for Presbury this year, I feel like it falls somewhere in the middle, somewhere in the nine wins kind of range. So I uh, I am going to go over seven and a half. I am going to disagree with you and it's taking me everything in my power not to put a big fat padlock on this uh, call because I want to save it for what I think will be a high win total coming up for somebody. But I think he goes well under that. I love you, Presbury, but not really. But I also think that you will not get six wins this year. Um, You can hold that against me and I'm sure it will be held against me. Uh, Regan, what do you think? I think it's a very well set line because it's very difficult to uh, to make a decision. I, I can see him scratching out eight or nine. I think that's more likely than him him falling in the sort of six or seven category. So I think maybe over just. Okay, so we have an over, we have an over, and we have an under. I've got to say, I'm disappointed with both of you because I thought I'd have uh, both of you just piling on Presbury then, and neither of you decided to. You took a much more fair and balanced uh, approach, which is not what we're after in this league and on this podcast. So I'm hoping we can gang up on someone shortly, and in fact, I think we might. <laughs> I mean, given 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 that the season hasn't started yet, we probably need to hold off on the absolute um, vitriolic <laughs> displays of hatred until at least the ball's been bounced. So we'll, we'll, we'll start from a position of... Uh, We'll start from a position of positivity, hey? Well, because of the fake news that you've been spreading throughout the league that I've decided that my draft hand is the best draft hand ever and you've painted me as this faux villain, I've decided to do a Stasi and semi-embrace it. So I don't mind going hard on a few teams here. Um, but also if... There, my... there, there is no doubt in my mind that you made the statement that it was the best draft hand ever. I, I will. That, that, that can be my third lock. Was those words come out of your mouth on draft day? I, I will go to the grave with that. You can go to Correct. the grave as a liar. You are more than welcome to. That's fine by me. All right, let's get on to the next one. JR, I'm going to get you to go next because I would like Regan to bring us home into the break with some energy and some fire in the belly of uh, someone I know he's been itching to review. Uh, but I would like you to go for our... Minor Premier last year and preliminary finalists, very unlucky. Don't have to touch on that again. Bradley Williams and the Collie Wobbles. Could you give us a quick summation of his team? Looking at uh, B-Will's team, and this man has been a, a model of consistency uh, in his time in the quadruple AFL. Uh, a very defined draft strategy, usually, of really targeting the midfield. And, and that's what he did again with uh, Zach Merritt, Paddy Cripps, Ollie Wines, and yeah, a bargain pickup, I reckon, in, in Tom Green. Yeah, I, I reckon I reckon he's set for another pretty good year. I think when you have that kind of strength in the midfield, it's uh, yeah difficult to to really go too wrong. The the backliner, I have some minor concerns about. Uh, you know, Daniel Rich, you know, is he done? Will Day, we were just talking before about players that love getting injured. No one loves getting injured more than Will Day. Uh, Zach Guthrie. Uh, Jarman Impey, uh, yeah, the, the defence leaves a bit of a, a sour taste in the mouth. The, the forward line, it's fine. Yeah, it, I, obviously his year is going to be, yeah, run and one with the midfield and, and it's a very, very strong midfield. A few things on uh, Bradley Williams' team. Are we, first of all, sure that Scott Lysett plays 
all 23 games. I think he is when he is up and firing the best ruckman in Port Adelaide. But if you listen to any Port Adelaide Nuffy, they talk about Bryn Tickle, Tiki, whatever the hell his name is, coming through as if he's like God's gift to Ruckman and just he is going to set the competition on fire and he's already won three Brownlow medals. So is there not a competition for his spot? Does anybody know that? Uh, I, I would put the whole Bryn Tickle thing in the camp of like, um, absolute preseason deception, especially the 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 rumors about well, not the rumors because I think it happened. Scott Lysett playing for the Possibles team instead of the Probables or whatnot in their first internal trial. I reckon just all sort of smoke and mirrors stuff. Lysett plays twenty two, number one ruck. I, I I think that that just happens. All right, so I'm going to give you Bradley Williams over under total. Now I'm going to preface this with a by saying that last year, Bradley Williams had 17 wins and two losses. Now, we are playing one extra game this year, so we have 20 rounds, and he has a low-ish win total of 14 and a half wins. Now, low-ish considering where he was last year, that is equal uh, first place uh, in the Normbet books. 14 and a half wins. Regan, do you think he goes over, or do you think he goes under that total? I think he has a solid enough team, but I don't think that it's good enough and instilling enough confidence in me to go with the overs. I, I can see him getting close to it, but yeah, I, I think I'll have to go unders just because of selections like Menegola, Impey, O'Meara, Will Day, just around, you know, whether a couple of those guys get selected, whether they stay fit. I think it's just enough doubt there that I'll, I'll go the unders, but finals chance. I'm the same. I'm going to go under and not for any other reason than 14 and a half wins or 14 slash 15 wins is a lot of wins in the quadruple AFL in a year where it's incredibly even. And I have the same query around a few players, whether they actually play Jimmy Arms up in his uh, forward line there is one of them I'm having a look at. I'm going to go under B-Will, but nothing against your team. I think it is a very, very strong team. I just think uh, 15 wins is a lot. JR? Yeah, I'm of a, a similar opinion. I'm also going the under. I think very likely B-Will's team is a finals team, but I think 14 and a half is a lot of wins. And anyone getting 14 and a half wins this year, I think is likely to be probably one of the better two or three teams in the competition. And, I, and I'm not sure there's the depth to justify that uh, that prediction. It could happen. The midfield's very strong, but I'm, I'm going to go under 14 and a half. And while we're on it, shout out to B-Will, shout out to Schmidt, shout out to Jake Dean Ashenden, who had a buck show the day before draft day. And also shout out to Echo for a separate reason, but we'll get to him, who were absolutely drafting uh, either very hungover or possibly still drunk and still managed to produce three semi-reasonable teams. So well, well done to them. And also, yeah, as I mentioned, Echo will get to very, very shortly. Okay. <laughs> All right. I am really excited for this next one. I am going to throw over to Regan. Now, just a context for the listeners. I had uh, in the book and in the preparation sheet that I would review James Davies' team, and that was decided uh, before draft day. And then uh, the draft occurred, and Regan and I have been discussing today, and Regan has said, could I please review James Davies' team? And... I think it's very appropriate. I, as commissioner, need to remain as balanced as possible, as you can tell by some of my views in this podcast. And I think that uh, someone like Regan can provide some 
additional layers of information and thoughts on James Davies drafting. So, Regan, I'm going to throw over to you, and could you please review James Davies' team? Yeah, look, so for for a man with the, the colour coding that he had on the planning documents that he had compiled, it, it, it doesn't really align with the, the vibe or the feeling in the room. When we got to about 3 o'clock, and every 15, 10 to 15 minutes, there would be raised eyebrows and murmurs around the room around the fact that James Davies had selected Nick Hahn, who was on the uh, the absolute brink of being delisted and out of favour at Essendon, or even um, someone along the lines of Jaden Stephenson, who, again, could not possibly be more out of favour. I, I, I'm just looking here at the... I mean, I've I've got his team up, obviously, given that I play him round one, just so I can sort of uh, put it put it up against a, a well-rounded um, and quality side. <laughs> just looking at the contrast between the, the the four the bottom four midfielders, we've got Taylor Adams, James H, <laughs> Camden McIntosh, and Isaac Smith up against James Rowbottom, Blake Akers, Finn Callahan, and Wanganine Millerer. I mean, you you tell me which which quartet is on the up and which quartet is on the decline there, and I reckon you'll settle on a pretty uh, a, a pretty overwhelming response that mine is is the goods there. So, yeah, look, I, I don't really know what else to say. The, the, there's just a lot of problems with it. It's a very a very malign, uninspiring side. I think there's massive question marks over whether four or five of these players even present themselves for round one. Uh, look, I don't even need to know what his line is. I'm going to use my <laughs> lock number three. Unders, if the original line being blank meant that he was zero, then I will go <laughs> unders, zero, whatever that is. I think we could see our first winless season uh, of the AAFL. And I'm glad that at the end of round one, I will be sitting pretty on top of the ladder. <laughs> Was there any truth to the potential rumor? Because we had Zoom up on the day, and we could see <laughs> we could see James Davies in his house drafting, um, but occasionally the Zoom dropped out or he went off screen. Is there a chance that somebody may have <laughs> may have uh, entered? James Davies uh, home and uh, had a look at his laptop and perhaps drafted for him because that is not the draft of a man who has played four years of high level fantasy before. <laughs> this is a, like if I asked my, what is he now? 21 month old son to go and draft a team. I would say him randomly clicking buttons may have produced a better squad than this. JR. What's interesting that you bring up Otis and his potential to, to maybe make a few picks I think I would have backed him in to not pick Luke Jackson as my number one forward. <laughs> that that is that is setting yourself up for absolute failure. James Davies has a win total, an over under win total of wait for it, five and a half wins. Five and a half wins is the <laughs> <laughs> is the lowest over under win total for the league. And I'll go first and stake my claim. I am not going to lock it because I want to save my locks for one or two others. But my God, if I could lock this, I would. He will be going so far under that that 
And mark my words, Grady's record of two wins last year will be in trouble. JR? Yeah. Like the win, the win loss total of five and a half. It's so low. Also, at the same time, it's so deserved. Like, I'm just looking at this forward line. I, I don't want to lock it because it's so low, but oh, his team is that bad. Oh, it's 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 not great. It's it's really clear it was a team drafted under duress. <laughs> I think I'm going. Under, I won't lock it because the win total is so low, but I'm going under five and a half. Regan, you're the one who started this uh, pile on, and I'm happy for you to end the pile on. I don't, well, obviously, don't need to ask you over under, but for the official record, are you going over under this win total? Uh, for the record, James Davies will go very close to being winless, and he will be under 5.5 victories. The my my absolute favorite part about this is for round one it doesn't really matter at this stage what happens in that game because if Davies beats you it is fucking over for you like the 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 amount of <laughs> the amount of shag you've thrown at that man on this podcast and in the group chat uh, there's a part of me that wants that to happen but there's also a bigger part of me that wants Grady's record from last year broken immediately and I think that is a very good chance of happening. We are going to take a really quick break and we are going to come back with the next three teams. Thank you. Welcome back. We are going to start this next section, the next three teams, by putting ourselves on the line here. And we have been given a task to review one another. I have the privilege of reviewing both of yours. JR, you have the privilege of reviewing my team. And we'll give ourselves our over-under win total. So I'm going to start with special guest co-host Regan Mastrangelo and your side. I was very skeptical with your picks heading in because we had a very similar draft hand, except yours wasn't as high as my first three picks. You had them in the late teens, early 20s sort of range. But what I will say is you have come through that completely unscathed. You have a captain option in uh, James Sicily. You have a vice captain option in Christian Petrarca. And you have probably a, a vice vice captain, an extended leadership group, if you will, in Marcus Bontempelli, who might be back to Marcus Bontempelli, high midfield standards that he has set for himself in previous years with the absence of Dunkley. Looking through your defense now, Caleb Daniel, yep, you know what you're getting from him. Stephen May, providing he goes injury free, will be great. You love Brennan Cox, who, you, who you've once again selected and are ready to go for season 2023. I'm pretty hesitant in reviewing people's forward lines and criticizing them because forwards are shit this year. There's just not a lot of options there. But Jeremy Cameron, if he, with the plus two extra for goals, has a big season like everybody expects because he is a former Coleman medalist and so on, then you've got yourself a gem there. Tom Hickey just sitting nicely in your ruck there waiting to come back into the team. Um, Reese Matheson is an interesting choice. I'm not sure he gets anywhere near it this year, but that's fine. Adam Kennedy was a nice, I think, last pick for you. My favourite, favourite pick of the lot is Nazaya Wanganane-Millera, um, who is your last midfielder who I picked off of the scrap heap last year and he got me 70s each week and it was just a beautiful sight to see and I think he goes to another level this year. I hate to say this and it annoys the crap out of me because we're involved in many side group chats, but your team, uh, I'm going to say it, yeah. I think your team looks pretty good. 
I think that you are a, a good shot this year, depending on what happens injury-wise. You're not inclined to blow yourself up trade-wise. Looking at uh, even someone like Ru- Ru- Ruben Gimby. I can't say his name. Jimby? How do we say his name, JR? You know? Uh, I don't, actually. I think Jimby. We'll go with Jimby. Even him. I think he will play every game this year, and I think he will be quite good. So it annoys the shit out of me, but Regan, I think you're going to be semi-decent. JR, quick thought on Regan's team, then we'll get his quick uh, quick take on it. Yeah, I think I think it's a pretty balanced team. You know, probably three captain options, which is which is nice uh, to have. And and you know, when you have that kind of that kind of draft strategy of having those three really high picks, that's obviously what you're after. Yeah, forward lines, as you said, you know, everyone's a various degrees of of average, but. You know, Jeremy Cameron and, and Liam Baker are both excellent players. Jesse Hogan, yeah, he's uh, if he's fit, he's going to uh, he's definitely going to score points. So yeah, I, I like this team as well. Regan, your quick take on your team, thirty seconds. Yeah, look, fairly happy with it. I think that the the, the preparation came through on draft day. I got a good combination of sort of blue chips that I wanted, but. Like we were sort of saying in, in our league, you can't pick up the uh, the, the Brandon Ellis's and Blake Hardwicks of the world <laughs> and expect to be successful. You need to go with the up and comers and the sixty five averages that might become nineties. So that was my strategy, and I reckon I I got the ones that I uh, that I wanted. So, but we're going to keep a lid on it. Um, blatant arrogance when I'm against James Davies because everyone's a part of that pile on. So there's uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but. Otherwise, I'm just going to take it as it comes and I'm not going to go the early crow. As much as everyone's going to bait me, um, I'm just going to tick along one week at a time. That's very professional, a very straight bat you just played there. Regan, Norbert has set your over-under win totals of 13 and a half. That's actually only one less than B-Will and another person who we'll get to shortly as equal favourite. I'm going to give you the opportunity to go first. Do you think you will go over or under that win total? Keep in mind this podcast is recorded and everybody can access this at any stage throughout the season. Uh, I will uh, tentatively, because I'm going to be humble and reserved this year, I will tentatively say over. I reckon, I can, <laughs> I reckon I've got the team to, to sneak over that but uh, with no great confidence because injuries could be the end of me very quickly. So just, just over. JR? I think given the sort of, you know, slapdash way the the lines were put together, a lot of these lines are, are really pretty spot on. Um, I think it'll be in that in that ballpark for this team, but I, I do like this team as, you know, multiple caption, captain options, you know, good players sort of on, on every line. I am going to go over. And very, very reluctantly from myself, I will also go over that total and I will have you at either 14 or possibly even 15 wins this Regan, uh, this year, Regan, which will basically put you in the top four. And that is a site that nobody wants. So well done on your drafting strategy. <laughs> it was uh, even more impressive because you were so distracted with how poorly Davies was uh, picking that you just... <laughs> <laughs> That you couldn't really concentrate on your next pick, but you still managed to get a pretty decent team out of it. So well done. All right, I I, I did find that I was like I was nudging you under the table quite quite regularly to uh, <laughs> to comment on Davey's latest selection. Oh my god! Uh, 
I have been patiently waiting for this moment and I'm concerned because there's already been some chatter in the group about uh, how I drafted on draft day and some subsequent decisions following that. But JR, I'm going to throw over to you who will have the privilege and the honor of reviewing the greatest draft hand in fantasy history. I'm I'm just looking looking through your team here and I know there was the bold declaration of, of greatest you know, greatest draft hand in fantasy history, but it's top, top heavy is probably the, the phrase that, that comes to mind. Obviously with uh, Andrew Brayshaw and, and Tuke Miller, there's never going to be a shortage of, of captain options. Obviously Jordan Dawson in there as well to, to hold up the back line. You know, you're always probably going to end up with, you know, a good double score for the week. But yeah, there, there's some elements I'm concerned about. Aaron Hall, uh, namely being one of them. Um, I think definitely uh, definitely got off the hook with uh, Braden Pruce avoiding suspension. But I, I'm a little bit worried about some of the midfield. I think if they all play, this team will be quite good. But there is some hesitation around you know, some of the job security, particularly in the midfield. Yeah, I, I think that you... I mean, look... I, I'm going to say you started the draft well, but like how how can you not start the draft well? You've got Brayshaw, Miller, Dawson. You Your first three selections were from just, you know, a plethora of solid gold choices. And then I feel a bit like once you got out of that, that little zone where you couldn't go wrong, you started to go wrong. Uh, and And you made some just flaky decisions. I mean... Look, I, I went early with Dacos last year. I went too early with Dacos last year. Bows at 95 is too early. You know, Hall, yes, it might pay off, but I don't think it will at pick 116. I, I don't hate, I mean, looking back at CBA data, I actually don't think Parfit is the worst little pickup off of, uh, or from, from Grady in the, the immediate trade after the draft, first of the year. Congratulations on that one. Thanks. Uh, uh, yeah, look, I, I I think you started well, but like I said, it was impossible for you not start well. And then as soon as the uh, as soon as the heat got turned up in the kitchen and you actually had to make some calls, I reckon there was a couple that you might admit were sort of just maybe ranked chokes uh, on the pressure of draft day. Uh, chokes is a strong word when you're as talented as I am. Um, what I will say is uh, there were some decisions that if I had my time again, I probably would choose someone else. Braden Pruce bring, being one of them. And I'll, I'll put my hand up. I had absolutely no idea that he was in uh, suspension trouble when I drafted him. And I'm very glad that my express posted letters to the match review officer was received in time and he uh, was able to get off. And um, uh, NRL tackle on Tom Berry was uh, deemed fine by the, by the league. Yeah, no, look, I'll, I'll agree with some parts and disagree with others. I did start off strong, but hard not to. I would actually say my middle was probably the worst patch. That's where I picked up Proust. And even Viney, I love Viney to death, but I'm not sure how he'll go. Uh, but I think I actually came home strong. There's some nice late picks that I'm pretty happy with, um, especially if they play. I really like just J-Mac as a walking 70 sitting on the bench. And I think that Sammy Durham will play a bit this year. So... Um, and most importantly, I got my boy Sam Taylor back, which I'm thrilled to pieces with. Just to uh, just to raise a point, we we did talk about uh, in the previous segment about uh, certain players who love being injured. 
there's also a section of players who love getting suspended, and Braden Proust is by <laughs> far and away the leader <laughs> of that group. Like every two weeks, he is going to be, you know, ripping someone's head off, a flying elbow. There may even be like a, a head kick involved at some point. Like nothing would shock me in the in the Proust uh, suspension stakes. Uh, I'm anticipating that that is a relationship that will come to an end probably in the next two weeks, um, depending how trade trade discussions go. <laughs> um, my my over under win total is nine and a half wins, which I want to vomit at my screen every time I look at that. Nine and a half wins would mean that even with an extra win to get me to ten, it doesn't guarantee me finals. I am happy to go first as I made Regan first and just to stoke the flames of the league. I'm going to say I will go over that and put a big fat lock on my name because no matter what my <laughs> no matter what my team looks like now, you know I'm going to be able to trade myself out of it. So give me a lock. I'm going over nine and a half wins. JR, what do you think? So I'm probably of a, of a similar opinion. I, I think this team, as I look at it now, there are some concerns um, and some holes to be to be filled, and and probably some players to be to be traded out, as uh, as I'm sure we're we're all expecting. But I. Th- I, I just can't go under nine and a half wins on a team that has Brayshaw, Tuke Miller and Jordan Dawson. And I would say as a commissioner that you would probably take fantasy more seriously than anyone in the group and probably spend the most time on it. I have full faith that you can kind of fix up a few of the holes and to clear nine and a half. So I am going to go over just to build on that point, I do, I do love fantasy, but I, the issue is I don't, I don't spend enough time on my team because I'm doing stupid shit like this for all of you. So <laughs> that that's the worry. Um, Regan, we've got less than a minute. A quick over-under uh, lock, yes, no, whatever you need. Last year, traded well and then blew up your team with trades. I think this year you've traded poorly, but you might redeem your team with trades. You've got enough firepower there with Captain City at some decent scores. So I reckon I reckon you'll achieve your nine and a half. I'm going to say overs. I will take that. Okay, to you, JR. We are on the Collective Mind Galaxy Brains with the new logo. Congratulations, by the way. How do you feel about finally updating mm. and uh, getting with the, the rest of the league? Conflicted. <laughs> Obviously, I'm happy with the new logo, but you know that saying goodbye to that that photo of Josh Jenkins and Curtly Hampton was was certainly certainly one that tugged at the heartstrings. So yeah, conflicted, but but happy all the same. I've got to say, your uh, logo now is probably the best in the league. It will go bloody close. You've spent a bit of time on it, and you also use my Canva account. So if you want to pay any royalties or anything along the lines, that's fine. Uh, I, I I actually didn't. I used uh, my own free account. Well done. Congratulations. So you, yeah. can, you can delete my password now um, in case you yeah, want to see anything of my CV as well. Regan? Just, a, just another shout out to our Department for Education staff and use of taxpayer money. We now get free Canva accounts through our role as educators. So can safely say that 90% of my Canva account has done uh done work around fantasy and not actual <laughs> educational outcomes for the students of or children of taxpayers. So big shout out to Department for Education. I left it at the wrong time. JR, I have the privilege of reviewing your team. We're going to whip through this very, very quickly. You had pick one, very exciting, and you had a pretty good pick to start with, but you traded up to get one. And I absolutely know why, because you could not see your man go into any other team and wear any of the other... 
15 teams colours and you got Josh Dunkley, which is sitting nicely in your forward line as we currently have a look. My immediate thought, JR, and we've spoken about this uh, off air, is very crow heavy, which <laughs> is absolutely a, refle- <laughs> a reflection of the shit hot crows in preseason. <laughs> Harry Schoenberg <laughs> is currently playing in your midfield, which is just great. It's all very funny. Uh, another hilarious tidbit to this is Elijah Hollands is playing <laughs> in your team. We both know <laughs> how much we, uh, both of us love Elijah Hollands, but probably you more than me. Um, your team looks quite solid all round. I love the inclusion of Isaac coming in the back line. I think he actually could go from a 90 to 100 this year and be potentially even a second captain. See option. Your bench looks really solid also. Um, Cam McKenzie, I think, will play most of the year. Wynn Hager's in there. Um, Sam DeConing, I think, can go to another level. My only query... Oh, also, Rowan Marshall as well in Ruck does help. My only query is probably around that midfield. And I have to ask, how seduced were you by Matt Crouch playing, I can't even call them eight quarters, but playing three and a half hours worth of football against West Coast the other night for 150 touches. And that's the reason why he's now in your team. Look, look, it was hard not to be. I I think the main reason, um, you know, that he missed the first three quarters of the the most recent practice match was he was still playing in the, uh, the one from the week before. I'd say it's the longest game of football anyone's ever played. Um, I was also seduced by the off-season reports from uh, AFL uh, quadruple AFL uh, fantasy member uh, Bradley Williams, who apparently was taking sessions with Matt Crouch at Anytime Fitness Fulham uh, on the uh, on the energy bike on the, the stationary bike. Sorry, on that I need to add. Why is Matt Crouch, who has access to state-of-the-art facilities, even if he has to travel to Westlakes <laughs> and train here anytime fitness full of It's such a shit gym as well. There's like <laughs> two exercise bikes, three treadmills, like a couple of benches. Like it's pretty average. I want Matt Crouch tapping Bebo on the shoulder while he's chasing the <laughs> chasing the dragon on the exercise bike, going, How much longer you got on there? <laughs> um so yeah. Probably a little seduced by that, but he did look good. Your over-under win total, JR, is one more than mine. Ten and a half wins, which would see you probably play finals if you go over that. I'm going to give you first crack. Do you go over that or do you go under that? I am confident that I will go over. I don't think I have the best team as it sits, but I feel like what I do well is at around the edges. And I am... I'm starting, I think, from a much stronger base than I have in the last two years. So I feel comfortable going over. Yeah, JR is synonymous with selecting speculative teams. <laughs> I mean, none more so than last year. He is right in saying that there is a bit more of a, a base to it. Um, you know, Marshall, Dunkley, they're great options. I think, you know, Dugowie might actually play well this year. Coming, Coleman, good up and comer. I think there's enough there that he goes close to his his line. I can see him just falling short, but it wouldn't surprise me if he goes goes over either. So I'm gonna go with unders, Ooh. but would yeah, would not at all be surprised to see him make finals. JR, I have full faith in you as a former premier, even if it was in the dark days of AFL or quadruple AFL fantasy. And I love the fact that you have not drafted just pure kids this year. And I think you're right. It sets you up for a really nice base to work off of, maybe swing a few trades here and then. I'm going to hit your over. And it actually, I was really close to giving you a lock. And if it wasn't for the fact that you're on this podcast and 
I have to be a bit of a dick to you. I probably would, but I'm going to save that lock to someone else. So well done. Great drafting. You've done a lot better than what you did last year, and I'm confident that you will go over. <laughs> All right. We are, we are going to take a break, and we will be back very shortly. Welcome back. I'm going to throw directly over to Regan, who has the privilege of reviewing one of his best friends who he grew up with, you know, real salt of the earth friendship, just a couple of boys from the country, you know, just sticking out and looking out for one another. And I'm, I'm sure that this will be a fair and balanced and unbiased opinion. So I'm going to throw you over to review Grady Hud. Let's, let's just begin by saying friends means fuck all when we talk <laughs> about AA, AA, FL fantasy. Um, I, I, I did enjoy Echo requesting more um, vitriol and hatred rather than less today. And I, I'm in full agreement that that's what we need. Absolutely nothing other than in the league. So, look, uh, any long-standing friendship with Grady means nothing. Having said that, I will concede that I think he's made steps in the right direction with this side. I have I, – I, I, I do – think Grady, unfortunately, gen, gen, generally doesn't understand the level of understanding, commitment, and preparation needed to perform at the highest level in this league. He's not there yet, but he's on his way. You know, selections of, of, of people like Witherden um, and Jack Graham, I, I think show show that he's sort of just that level below as far as like nous of who makes a good AAFL player. Um, yes, Witherden's got a nice little average, but you've got to get them on the park. I, I don't mind. Initially, I was unsure about the Atkins pick, but he was the leader of CBAs in Geelong's practice games. I He's a real tackling machine. I, I think he could maybe sneak that average up a little bit higher with Joel Selwood's um, retirement, so towards 90. He's, his midfield is pretty tidy. Newcomb was a, a good selection. He was on the ball with that one. I think Brody's shown that you know any doubt in him was misplaced. I certainly sort of doubted him to do what he did last year. I think that he can. Bailey Smith is a good captain option. I, I don't mind Yo as a pick. I'm a little bit dicey about him, but he looked fit in the in the preseason. I, I don't know this is the final side that he's been looking for, but I think that he is going to be competitive and he's going to be at minimum in the top half of that that bottom eight. That was a really good. Uh roundup of Grady's team and I'm was going to add to it but you basically you basically took every point that I had with Grady all I'm going to add before I give you his over under win total is this is a change man and this is as evidenced by his team that he's selected on the day and also the fact that he's here initiating trades with myself and allegedly he's won won that trade I'll wait and see what happens with Brandon Parfer but that's okay Uh, but he is a change man who is active in taking this league seriously I am very proud of this person who I had to basically uh, basically console two weeks ago when I took pick 15, I think it was, off of him. And he goes, oh, geez, I'm just no good at this game. I'm just, oh, I'm the Gold Coast Suns of the league. And, uh, and I had to go, no, mate, you're doing well to try and give him a pump up like my well-being coordinator. Um, I'm very proud of him. He's done really well. I'm going to say, and I will base this on his over under win total, which everybody is 11 and a half wins. So that is, oh. yeah, that's the only thing. The the punters apparently like Grady, so it's pushed it's pushed him up. Grady, 
After everything I've said, and I do believe you have a pretty handy team, 11 and a half wins, which would mean 12 to go over, is a bridge too far for me. I'm going to go under, but it is a, I want to be proven wrong under. Really quickly, JR, what do you think? Yeah, I think I, I skew towards the under as well. Um, yeah, it's a pretty solid team. I particularly like the the midfield. I think that's really strong, but have a few little concerns with the forwards and the uh, and the backs. But once again, I think the line will be yeah pretty pretty close. But I'll uh, just go under. And Regan, rounding us off for Grady, what do you think? The fact that we are contemplating double figure wins is positive signs. Uh, I, I think if he does hit it, it will be with 10 maximum, which puts him as the, the, the unders for me. Won't quite get there. Fantastic. Thank you very much. All right, JR, you have your old housemate, uh, your friend of many years, John Madison's, who attended draft day, which was a great positive thing to see. As I mentioned earlier, more, more John we see in our life, the better. Let's hope he just contributes to the group chat and meets our performance management plan requirements. JR, can you give a really quick, maybe even two-minute summation of John's team? You know, what a what a difference, you know, two days can make. I think going into the draft, no one thought John would show. Everyone was probably of the opinion that, that it would be a pretty half-assed effort from home and that, you know, maybe that he'd be making up the numbers yet again. But the prevailing opinion uh, post-draft, and it's hard to argue, John may have possibly drafted the strongest looking team Ooh, of everyone. Oh my goodness. And, wow. And that could only mean from his perspective that more engagement may equal more, more success. And perhaps that he, if he was to engage in the, uh, the group chat on the back of his impressive uh, draft showing that, you know, anything could be possible for John. Are you saying that the potential for John to make finals would also mean a more positive John experience in our lives? Well, I mean, it, it would be hard not to be more engaged if he was to be more fantasy relevant than the last couple of years. All right. That's interesting because his over-under I... win total is, and everybody, hope you're holding on to your seats for this, equal first with B-Wheel of 14 and a half wins. I'm happy to go first with this. John, your team is very strong across the park. I think your midfield looks excellent. I actually like the pick of Liberatore um, as your third midfielder because I think he still goes big this year. Doherty is your captain. I think that your team on paper looks great. What I'm concerned about is two things, and that is the total being 14 and a half wins. That is incredibly high. That would mean that you would go from not playing finals for a few years to finishing top of the ladder, basically. And that is drastic improvement. And I'm also worried about what we just mentioned, your lack of engagement with the chat and also therefore trade talk and so on. And I think that will put you in not great stead. So prove me wrong. I'm going under. And guess what? I'm locking it. John will not meet... 15 wins this year. He will go under 14 and a half and put a lock next to his name for me. That's my third and final lock. Regan? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit um, disappointed that I've used my three locks because <laughs> not that I dislike this team, but the line is way too high way at 14 high. and a half. He, he, he will be unders. Rock solid defense. Um, his midfield on paper looks a bit dicey, but when you actually, you know, dig down a bit, they're, they're all solid players that may not set the world on fire, but will score nicely. 
Not a huge fan of the forward line. Again, as we've said throughout the podcast, it, it's kind of irrelevant. Everyone's going to battle in the forward line. So I don't know. He 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 will be under under that win um, amount for sure. I can very much see a world where he plays finals though. I agree. I think finals is, if we could put a lock on that, I think we could almost do that. And that is something that we haven't been able to say about John for a while. Just goes to show that the the league this year is so even, and I am just thrilled for it. No easy beats apart from one person that we've already mentioned uh, <laughs> in depth. Um, but that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move past that and we'll deal with that. And JR, over to you. Are you going over or under John's win total? So I know that I have pumped up John's both engagement and drafting, but you know, it, and it does hurt me to do it on the on the back of that. But I, I am in agreement with uh, with you guys that fourteen and a half is you know a, a huge jump, and I'm not I'm not confident that that fourteen and a half in in a very even league uh, will be his number. So I will also go under and with a lock but i still like the team and i think he'll play finals thank you very much let's move on to the last one of this section before we move into our final three teams hotly requested by regan to do this man um there is a a faux rivalry and you've never seen two people hate each other more considering they've only met once and they live interstate (laughs) but regan you have echo team once again you only get about two minutes on this i'm sorry just for podcast purposes and I know you wanted, as you mentioned before, 45 minutes to really go hard, but two minutes on Echo's team and we'll come back with our over-unders. Go for it. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll probably spend 90 seconds just focusing on Echo's draft day rather than his actual team. But the the, the man that appeared on Zoom was a broken man. Uh, and you could tell by the fact, I mean, he, he gave me one, one little jab about being across from him and that was basically all we heard from him for the entirety of the draft. The fact that the Zoom dropped out and he pretty much made no effort to rejoin the Zoom for a man that loves the sight of his own head as much as Echo, that that proved to me that he just could not be stuffed with anything beyond the bare minimum on draft day, which was selecting a side to at least be somewhat competitive, which I think he has. Um, I think he has and... It, it, it is basing it is basing itself upon the hope that the likes of Brayshaw and Crouch and other other people that everyone sort of identified as these sliders that everyone was a bit afraid of will hold to their form of last year, which they they might do. Like I mean, it does happen quite a lot. I think we get scared off by players. Brad Crouch, in particular, I don't know why we're so frightened of him because he just keeps churning churning out the scores. So. Ben Keys is another one. Like we might see him perform quite well despite our sort of trepidation. So I think that his team is good, not great. Um, around the mark, may make finals, but not super confident of it being as strong as it was last year. I'm going to add that uh, as proud as I am of Grady for drafting a great team after a poor season uh, last year, I'm super proud of Echo who managed to get himself on live for the three-hour drafting experience after... Uh, what was an incredibly, um, uh, let's let's say intense footy training uh, camp over the weekend that, uh, that saw him as Davies uh, also was drafting under duress, so was Echo. And I think that for a man that, you know, was struggling to see the screen, 
I think he's actually done a pretty good job overall. I think his team looks quite solid at the back. I like a few of those players. Another one of those, I don't know why we're afraid of him, is Angus Brayshaw. Regan, you had Angus Brayshaw last year. Um, he is somebody that uh, had a bit of a dip after going um, uh, from the midfield to, I think, the wing spot, but has probably found it, found a, his role in the team as a good fantasy player. I like his team overall. Echo is normally pretty strong in all the competitions that we'll um, play in. And I think that uh, when I tell you the over under win total, that'll be the only deterrent of, uh, I guess, how, how we view his team. Because I think overall it's a solid team, but his over under win total is 13 and a half wins. So that is quite high once again. Going over 13 and a half wins probably puts you into the top four. Do we think, and I'll start with you, JR, that he goes over that total? I think he absolutely goes over. I really like this team. Very balanced. Uh, enough big scorers in there to you know provide adequate captain options. Yeah, I and especially you know he's got Sam Walsh sitting there on the on the bench ready to to bring back in at at a point to be to be determined. I think over. And I am going to go lock over. Ooh, a lock on a 13 and Jeez. a half team over. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I, lo- <laughs> I like this team. Wow. That is very yeah, right. interesting. How much better would he have gone, JR, if he actually, you know, had sleep? <laughs> wow. Yeah. God, God knows what the uh, the over under would, would have been if, if there wasn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, wow, yeah, potentially. No, I, I'm a big fan of this team. I, I think he's got a, a lot of scope to uh, have a really good year. I've actually just, in that moment that you've said over and lock, you've actually convinced me to change my decision. I haven't had a high over lock yet. Uh, sorry, a high over decision yet. And 13 and a half wins, in the grand scheme of things, isn't that much when you're playing top four. And I have a look at this team and knowing how he trades, and I think he can improve it even more. So I will also go over. Regan? Yeah, I, I don't know that people are going to reach the heights of the 17 victories that, that B-Will did last year. Like, I just don't see it happening due to the, the competitive nature we've got this year. So like, I, I think 14 or 15 wins is going to be a big total. Um because with the exception of Davies, everyone's going to win like a nice little handful of games, I think. So I, I, I've i got him coming in unders, but I think that he will get close to that mark. I think he's a good final show. So just just unders for me, but not by, not by a whole lot. Excellent. Thank you very much. We're going to come back with our last three teams before we each give a premier pick for the 2023 season. Welcome back to the last section of the Mammoth Over Under Pod. We were just talking off air about whether we have to make this part A and part B. We'll soon find out. We have three teams left. Three uh, hotly discussed teams in the in the preseason for various reasons. But I'm going to sorry, I'm going to go first and I'm going to review the sneaky jellyfishes Adam Schmidt's team. And I'm going to spend more time on his uh, draft pick swapping experience rather than the team itself, because I think that is going to paint a better picture of his squad than anything else would. So uh, Schmidt had the number one pick from immediately after the Australian Open for about a week. And that was too long for him to have that number one pick. He, He felt it burning a hole in his pocket and the pressure coming and he swapped it for pick six for Leachy and all the picks that came with that. 
And then he's proceeded to outsmart himself by gathering a whole bunch of picks in the in the 40s, 50s, etc. range, and then swap them into picks in the 50s, and it's just become uh, a bit of a mess. And it coincided with <laughs> deadline day draft last hour, ready to go. We're about to lock in and you know secure all the picks, and I'm furiously calling this man <laughs> while he's at Elizabeth Shopping Center trying to do whatever. And I am, I, I have got the phone log here. I've called him five times in that space of an hour to say, get online and talk about pick six for me. And with much harassment, he's eventually given that to me for picks. Uh, I think it was 56 and 63. And what makes that even worse is we were talking about pick six the previous week before and his asking price was pick 15 and 17. So if you ever want to talk about time pressure getting to a man, <laughs> that is exactly what happened. So his first pick was in the 50s. And he selected Jaden Short, who has immediately gotten injured <laughs> over the preseason game or over training or whatever it was. Look, my, my first thoughts with this team are deep, great concerns. And that is reflected in the over-under win total, I will say. There is no clear captain option unless Caleb Sarong can take the next step. Uh, Jaden Short, maybe, depending where he plays this year. Outside of that, I am I am deeply concerned with this team. And I think... And we love you, Schmidt, but I think you've outsmarted yourself here. I think you needed to have one banker at least. And I think that you could be in for a very, very long season. Regan, what are your quick thoughts on Schmidt's team? Yes to all. Uh, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in it. There's just not – there's no real firepower there. I think, too, like one of the things that needs to be mentioned is draft strategy and where your picks fall as far as you being able to maintain um, – maintain your wits during the draft and and keep up i think and handle the pressure is uh, has a lot to be said for it too so the 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 quick succession of picks that he had i think led him to sort of making some poor decisions in amongst the fact that he didn't have the the picks required to get that captaincy option so i i, I reckon that is now for next year kind of a, a new factor for the league is being able to ensure your picks are spread in a fashion that you're able to uh, think uh, think thoroughly about all of your selections without having to rush too much. So yeah, not not huge faith in in Schmidt's side, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, essentially a really, uh, a similar thought uh, thought process to you boys. Um, you know, looking at the team on paper, like there's a lot of good solid players, and if there was a captain option or two that you could bank your 110, 120 sort of every week, you know, it, it would look a lot better. But yeah, just, don't, I don't, I think there's going to be a lot of games that he'll be in, but ultimately lose because, you know, and not lose by a lot, but lose by like 40, 50 points just because of the the lack of captain, uh, captain material on that team. One final note before we give our over-under win totals for Schmidt is he clearly has more faith in Jed Anderson than the North Melbourne Football Club did by <laughs> slotting him in his forward line. Jed Anderson currently has no photo on the, the AFL fantasy website, <laughs> as is his uh, fall from grace has been confirmed. Um, Adam Schmidt's over-under total is six and a half wins. I'll go first. I think he goes over. And I've just hung a lot of shit on him. But six and a half wins is not a lot for a man who is seasoned in fantasy. 
and I think can probably trade his way out. I think he can turn two of those medium picks into somebody better, which gives him a captain option and then goes from there. So I'm going to go over, but just, JR. Yeah, I'm the same. Like, there is a world where a couple of these kind of mid-range players, you know, make the leap. Like you said, uh, Sarong or, you know, I, I do like Perryman's chances this year of being a high scorer. Um, you know, there is a chance that, that one of those players gives him a, a bankable captain option. Six and a half is not a lot of wins. That's sort of getting around uh, James Davies' territory, uh, which I think this team is is better than. So, yeah, I, I will also go go over. The year that James Davies is in right now, <laughs> sorry, the year that he's in for is going to just be hell, hell on earth. And unless he can turn his season around, this is going to be a, a very frequent uh, touching point on the podcast. Uh, Regan, over under six and a half wins, Adam Schmidt. Yeah, I, lo- I love the fact that my arrogance about beating Davies in round one sort of won't even bat an eyelid and I can still play the humble card because it's just so widely supported by by the entirety of the league. Uh, yeah, I, I think Schmidt here um, is a, a victim of a line being set too low. So hence, I'm going to go overs for him just because I think the line is probably, probably one off where it needs to be. But I, I don't see him as a, a finalist. He may win another pleb premiership oh though. my goodness triple pleb premier back to back to back that would be something to behold <laughs> thank you let's move on second to last person jr you have Stasi dimku can i have a quick uh quick synopsis of his team yeah Stasi obviously looking to to bounce back he really i think through poor performance um lost his status as or as sort of villain of the league last year. Uh, but at, at first glance, I, I like the back line. Um, you know, it's going to be good, solid, dependable, you know, 80s, 90s. Uh, Rory Laird as captain, that's a, you know, that's a banker, 110, 120 every week. Uh, George Hewitt, same. I think Amon's a good pick. Yeah, Max Gorn in the ruck. That, that's probably the interesting one, how that shakes out. That could sort of dictate quite how successful he will be. And then, you know, forward line is probably similar to every most other forward lines where um, solid without being spectacular. I, I Yeah, I like this team. I, I think it's a final team. I'm going to add that Stasi, and I'll, I'll absolutely stake everything on this, is the biggest sook in fantasy history. Regan and I are part of... <laughs> <laughs> I part of a few group chats with Stasi, and when you moved up to the number one pick and we convinced him that you were going after Clayton Oliver, he called that it was collusion and, no, nah, that's fucked. You have to veto that for no reason other than he wanted initially. <laughs> he initially wanted the, Clayton. The league conspiring <laughs> against him. And he, then he didn't take Clayton Oliver anyway. He, he chose Rory Laird anyway. And <laughs> I hope... Whatever happens this year, he just sucks. I don't think he will looking at this team, but it would be the ultimate karma. Uh, his over-under <laughs> win total is 13 and a half wins. That is second equal yeah. highest. Quite high. I'm going to go under only because of how high it is, but I think there's a world where he probably gets 14 wins. Regan? Yeah, the, the watches for me are Laird, which I think will do Laird things again as captain, get him some really nice scores. If if Gorn somehow maintains that big scoring from last year, he's got himself an absolute steal there. So there's look, there's some weaknesses. I don't like Kelly. I think in the forward line, there's some 
there's some dicey characters like Mason Cox and Jury's still out a bit on Horn Francis. Like I'm not sure what season he delivers, but I think there's enough there for him to be sort of in that elimination finalist slot, but under 13 and a half wins. Yeah, under for me. Not by a lot, but yeah, 13 and a half is quite a lot of wins in an even league. And I, I think he'll fall just short of that. Maybe, yeah, 12 to 13. And I really wish that we had more time to go through this last person, but we need to rush through this. Otherwise, there will be very quickly a part C. Uh, Lachlan Norman, current reigning premier, sitting there very arrogantly on the corner of the table, just watching over his subjects on Sunday and just criticising every pick that everybody made while also at the same time saying how good every pick that he made was. It was disgusting to sit next to him. It really ruined my draft day experience, but I couldn't help where he decided to sit. Uh, Regan, you have the pleasure of quickly reviewing his team before we get into his over-under. I I think overall, I I do like his side, which is quite unfortunate, but I, I can tell that he had a good understanding of where the value was, where the good up-and-comers were. If you look at his his forward line, Rosie's a really nice pick after him breaking out last year, but Tanner Bruin, Archie Perkins, um, he, he, he has clearly gone for the sort of primos, and then once we get to that midsection where there's a lot of sort of jaded older bodies and that, he's gone for the youth in the hope they break out. So... Look, the early the early crow on Whitfield, I think, is nice. The constable is good. I, I think he's a pretty solid side. Speaking of older, jaded bodies, um, last year, Lockie Norman uh, played one game of football for my footy team back in South Australia, Mitchell Park <laughs> Football Club, and uh, lit the first quarter on fire with maybe five touches. And then, <laughs> then proceeded to... Uh, I think strain his no strain his hamstring and maybe put a small tear in his groin in the same movement, and uh, we have not seen him back out in the football uh, field since. So maybe his forward line reflects his own footy career and his own uh, durability. His over under total is twelve and a half wins, putting him just below what? the Stasi and even yourself, Regan, at thirteen and a half wins. I think this is a really uh, tantalizing bet and I think Norm Bet have set the market this uh this low because he's hoping that people would think that he's an arrogant and go under because they want to see him fail. But realistically he's a very good chance to go over this. I'm going to say he goes over reluctantly. JR. Yeah, pretty good team, uh unfortunately. But uh yeah I will also go over. Reagan. Begrudgingly over for mine. I think he's uh he he's every chance to go over that total with a solid side. I'm going to put out a formal request to the rest of the league that, as you mentioned last week, he grinds you down with trade negotiations. Are you ready to do this? Are you ready to do this? Hey, what about this guy? Can we have some resilience? Can we show a bit of backbone in this league? And if he is going to skewer you for a trade, can we actually say no to the man? He he's not intimidating. Let's let's. <laughs> Let's let's be realistic here. We can say no to him. Leach and Jono on absolute notice too, just quietly, given that the years that they've got ahead of ahead of them. So if if anyone, I mean, <laughs> if they can block him from Messenger or something like that as soon as they depart the country, I think that will be a, a great move for the league. The uh, the last thing you want is uh, 
Lockie in your DMs at 3 a.m. in Dubrovnik <laughs> getting <laughs> getting back onto your boat. So <laughs> please turn Messenger off. I would encourage everyone actively blocking him, even if you are or aren't in Dubrovnik. <laughs> in Dubrovnik. <laughs> that was a marathon, boys. Thank you very much. We're going to go for a quick break. We're going to come back and wrap up and each of us give a premier pick. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time this evening. This has been a marathon of epic proportions and uh, I can't even describe how strained my vocal cords are right now. But we have done it. We've got through to the end. We're going to wrap up with a premier pick for the season. Here is the caveat, and I should have probably said this earlier. It cannot be yourself. So sorry, Regan, because I can see you now going back to the drawing board. I will go to JR first. Who is going to win the flag this year? Well, on the back of only having one overlock uh, of the real higher kind of uh, win total projections, uh, I am going to go for Echo to make up for last year and, yeah, win his first quadruple AFL flag. I feel like he'd be a more popular premier second year round now that he's proven himself to the league. I think coming in mm. first year and mm. and taking it would probably get a few people, including one in this room, very offside. So I wouldn't <laughs> hate seeing that this year. Regan, who is your premier for 2023? What I'm about to say will send shivers down the spine of uh, of the participants <laughs> of the AAAAFL. <laughs> Uh, and it's it sickens me to have to come to this conclusion, but I, after scouring the teams, I came to no other real option. In in the fifth instalment of the quadruple AFL, the Qantas Freak and Fly quadruple AFL, I think, unfortunately and uh, frighteningly, we may see our first ever back-to-back oh. premier. And Lachlan Norman uh, is my pick for the premiership. <laughs> that stinks. I would consider disbanding the league if there's a back-to-back Norman premiership. And then I can't I can't live in a world where Lockie goes back-to-back. One premiership was worse. Uh, sorry, one premiership was bad enough. Two premierships is a living nightmare. So I understand why you said it, Regan, but all my fingers and all my toes are crossed that that does not happen. Oh, I, I absolutely mine as well. Just 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 because I said it doesn't mean that I want it to happen. I very much want anything else to happen. I, I would love I would love Alex to win, uh, as the greatest redemption story ever. As mentioned, his sliding doors Netflix documentary will be on the way. But I don't <laughs> see that happening. Norman is sadly, begrudgingly, my pick. My pick is it's actually not Forever the Bridesmaid because Forever the Bridesmaid is Jono being three prelims in a row, but uh, a pretty regular bridesmaid who hasn't quite got over the, the final hurdle yet all came very, very close last year. And I think he has the foundation of a team to get there this year. And we know he does love a trade. And I think that he can continue to improve his team. And he, he's pretty pretty onto it with information and news, including spreading misinformation as well prior to the draft. Um, but I'm going to select Bradley Williams B. Will as my premier for 2023. I did go under his total, but that was an incredibly high total. I think he sneaks into the top four. I think he does some damage in those early rounds and gets himself a double chance. Um, sorry, and wins uh, his double chance straight through to a prelim and then goes all the way to... Hopefully for him, winning a grand final in 2023. Would you boys say that 
this year, there is a lot more pressure on Lachlan Norman. Obviously, with it, you know, being a back-to-back possibility. Last year, came from fifth, minimal expectations. This year, he's been tabbed, you know, as likely, possibly even certain, to become a back-to-back premier. How do we think that he'll go under that pressure? The best thing that we can do is just mount the pressure on him even more till it's almost in, insurmountable. And he, he can no longer handle it to the point where he crumbles into a absolute complete and utter mess about halfway through the season. So I think tactically, there's probably nothing we can do better than to say he's almost guaranteed for the premiership and then just sit back and ideally watch it unfold uh, right before our eyes from this point onwards. I'm on board with that plan. In fact, I have, um, you know, hopefully in my own mind started that process, but he is pretty quick with the with the comebacks. And uh, my favourite thing is, like I said earlier, no matter what you say about his team, your team's always worse. So it, it, does, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we're saying, but I agree, insurmountable pressure and see what we can do to, to rock him and to, to make him make some mistakes. And interestingly, as we've recorded the podcast, I've been keeping it on the, the chat, which has been popping off with the release of the premiership odds. So uh, just important to make note there that if anyone would like to, lo- <laughs> like to lose some of their money, you can get James Davies at 26 to 1 for the premiership. So <laughs> if anyone's got money that they would like to light on fire, save your time and put it on him for the flag. Thanks to Normbet. Well, this has been... An enjoyable experience. It's been a long experience. I'm looking at three text messages from my wife saying that she is uh, on the train and almost at her destination, which means that I have to wrap up this podcast and go before uh, I get in trouble. She's actually featuring on this podcast very, very shortly in the next segment, and she's going to give her tip of uh, AFL or quadruple AFL premier for the year. Regan, thank you for your time. JR, thank you for your time as always. It is greatly appreciated, and we will have... JR, you on next week, and Regan, I'm sure we'll have you on very, very shortly. No worries. Thank you both, gentlemen. Been absolute pleasure. Thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, very much looking forward to a two-parter coming out this week. What a what a treat for our broad-spanning uh, listenership. It could be three parts. It's it's concerning, JR. Yeah, it, it could be three parts, and I can determine that. But I absolutely need a cold shower after that <laughs> to, to cool off. <laughs> Thank you, boys. Much appreciated, and we'll see you shortly. All right, it's time to introduce a new segment. Not one for every week, but every now and then, we are going to do Life of a Wife. And we will get the partner of an AAAAFL fantasy member onto the podcast to give her take on the world of quadruple AFL fantasy. And we'll learn what it's like to live with uh, insufferable men who look at their phones 24-7, especially over a weekend. And our first guest today is none other, none other than my wife, Alicia Bikursky. Alicia, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It is a privilege, but not quite an honour yet. It should be an honour. You are the third guest on this podcast history, and we haven't even got through quadruple AFL fantasy members yet. Open question to start with. What is it like living with a... Actually, being married to... We're married, aren't we? Uh, Being married to a commissioner of the most popular fantasy league in all of Australia and... What does it mean for for the other half? What sacrifices do you need to make to make sure that 
uh, this league is up and running? Uh, it's not an overly sexy hobby. Um, <laughs> it's it's pretty lacklustre watching you watch your phone, um, driving anywhere in the car and being given a list of names to scroll through um, and then I guess hearing the mutterings under your breath when I'm scrolling too far down the list because it means that you haven't scored very well uh, and just the mood swings really. You say it's not a sexy hobby, but we have Adam Leach, who is hot Adam in the league, and I would disagree. I would say that he brings up our sexiness at least 150%. So um, shout out to you, Leachy. Um, a couple of questions for you, Alicia, and you can answer them in any way possible. Now, I'll preface this by saying that Alicia has pretty good footy knowledge. Uh, she's played for the last five years or so, watches every game with me, more or less. And the only thing I'll say is your fantasy knowledge probably doesn't necessarily translate to how well you know footy in general so this will be an interesting experience so I'm going to start I've given you a, a quick look at everybody's team whose team out of the 16 quadruple AFL fantasy members do you like the most and can you just give us a really brief reason why uh, I would have to say not only is he my favorite man in quadruple AFL uh, but he's also got my favourite team, which is the one and only Bradley Williams. Uh, I believe that he is going to win the Premiership this year because he's got a very strong midfield uh, in Wines, Cripps and Green. And I think it'll just really cover off on his gaps uh, in his defensive line. Interesting. Um, you mentioned that he's your favourite person in the quadruple AFL, but you, you, you're sitting right next to your husband right now. Um, how does that impact your decision knowing that you've just crushed my heart? <laughs> Uh, it's it's fine. I'm fine with it. Cold, cold, cold. Okay, then on the flip side, whose team do you hate and why is it James <laughs> Davies? Uh, look, we all know that James Davies had a terrible draft this year, um, but the worst team, in in my opinion, has to be Presbury's. Jared Presbury, can you, can you give us a reason why? Paul Presbury, oh my God, what a drive-by. I think that uh, Presbury has picked a bunch of players who will probably not play this year and that is going to result in a lot of desperate trades. I agree. I can confirm that he's already in my inbox <laughs> trying to take players from my really good team. Speaking about my really good team, you've mentioned that Bradley Williams is your favourite team on paper and you think that he's going to win the Premiership. How do you think I'll go this year? I think you're going to have a hot start. Um, your team is incredible. However, uh, after being married to you for six years, and uh, we haven't been married for six years actually, but uh, being with you for six years um, and watching you do what you do in in trade season throughout the season as well, um, you also get pretty desperate. You have a tendency to blow up your own team, uh, despite at the start of every year promising that you'll consult me on all trades because I actually have some knowledge of what I'm talking about. It goes a bit wrong for you towards the end. Um, I'm very disappointed with that response, but look, I'll cop it. I really appreciate your time, Alicia. Thank you very much. This has been Life of a Wife. Do you have anything to end on? Uh I would just like to uh, remind Davies to, to keep trying and one day he will, he will get there. <laughs> Thank you very much, Alicia. We got there. Mammoth effort from Regan. Thank you to him. Mammoth effort from JR. Thank you to him. Thank you to my wife, Alicia, for also popping on. We thought we were going to have to do it in two different parts, but we've decided to upload it as an almost two-hour mega extraordinaire podcast. 
Thank you to everybody for listening, and we'll either see you back just before round one or immediately after round one with the first results of the quadruple AFL fantasy world. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.